Justin. Yes. Sing me your favorite Korean song. Uh, I don't know one. <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite Korean. You could have been cheap and at least sung, like sang Gungam style. Oh, is that Korean? I, I did not realize that was. Yes. Uh, I didn't know that. Cool. You don't you don't know any uh BTS songs? How do they go? Sing me one. <laughs> Are you gonna <laughs> I don't know any BTS songs. I was asking you if you knew some motherfucker. No, I don't know, maybe, but I don't know. I know I know my favorite remix of Old Town Road by Little Nas X is Soul Town Road, the capital of North or the capital of South Korea. And it features one of the members of BTS. It's my favorite remix of that song. Just in case anyone was wondering. But um, since we're going to go crazy on this one and we're going to do something new, let's get that intro music going. Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I am joined by Heather and Justin, and, we'll, and we will be talking about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Parasite. I know I said all that like I normally do, but we're trying a new format out for this episode. We are still going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with this movie, just not in the normal way we do it. We are going to give you guys a spoiler-free review. Each of us will go around, we'll give spoiler-free reviews, we'll talk about it, we'll give our recommendation scores, and then after that, we will give a, uh, we'll talk more in-depth about the movie with spoilers. I will put time codes in the description, so that way you guys can just go, oh, hey, what do they think about this movie in general? And you can listen to the first little part of it. You'll know where to stop because I will. we will give you a warning. And then you can stop there. Then you can go watch the movie or not watch the movie. Who who knows how you might be swayed. And then uh, come back and, and, and finish the rest if you had not seen it yet. So just trying something new. Might be a little bumpy, especially for me, since I'm the one that's going to have to remember to not transition things the same way. But we are going to have... A fun little ride because we are talking about the movie Parasite. It's been like a critical darling. It's been, you know, just winning all kinds of awards. And we did see it. And Justin finally resaw it after, you know, a bout of sickness because he just can't handle real food. Or bad food, but either way. No, real food. Real <laughs> food. This is the heartland, Justin. This is the Midwest. This is where America found itself you eat our food and you deal with it with your little fragile digestive system and stuff can't handle carbohydrates and shit what the fuck is up <laughs> with that anyway we'll start with you Justin. what are your thoughts in general spoiler free remember spoiler free about parasite yeah i got you um but uh, well actually for this film i'm glad that we're doing this format because i think that for anybody who hasn't seen this movie um th this is infinitely better when you don't know what's coming when you haven't had any spoilers or when you haven't read too much about the events or what happens or anything like that then i think that that's the best way to absorb this movie because then that way everything kind of hits you uh the first half of the movie is kind of one style it's almost like a oceans 11 kind of dark comedy caper then whenever it switches the last hour to something more serious, something a little more 
uh, grim and dark and almost horror type elements. And then there's like some grisly moments. I think that you don't see any of that coming. You don't see how any of that develops. You don't really like there are things that happen. And based on the, the change of tone that does occur, I think it's better when you don't know the events surrounding it, when you don't have you haven't read up on it. You don't know what is the cause of any of those events. And I think that when things do all come together, it really makes for a film that that, that where you can really see how just perfectly pieced together it was. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I enjoyed about this is that I've never seen a movie kind of juxtapose different genres and it not feel jarring. It feel it have the right tone that it needs to have. And then it delivers a message that really mirrors kind of the tone and everything that the film starts with and eventually ends with. So I think that's really the triumph of it. And, and this movie has excellent acting by all of the cast that's involved. Uh, Bong Joon-ho is a director. He's a guy that directed The Host, which is another movie I recommend. Uh, Snowpiercer is another movie that he directed that I saw of his that I really like too. So this director is all about visual storytelling, and that's really the strength of this movie. Not a lot is given to you as far as, okay, this character is going to exposit what's happening and what they're feeling. It's not that type of movie. Like, you you are given what you need. It's simple enough to where you are given what you need. You got the premise and everything like that. But it's what Bond does it's what Bong does visually that really just puts this film on another level. You, you'll see a bunch of different things like and, and this whole idea of this hierarchy, the haves and the have nots and what that entails. And this um, and, and the kind of all of the psychological things that come with that, how you can be out of touch, dependent on where you are in that hierarchy and things that often happen in our society that lead to that. And what's cool about it, I think, is that, you know, uh, the way I interpreted it was, is that there is this bigger thing that is the problem in this scenario. And so kind of talking about afterwards who, what the villain is or what the villain was or who's good and who's bad are all great conversations to have once the movie is over. So, and, and, and like I said, everything goes together. Like, just talking to people and having conversations with people after I saw this movie unraveled more things. And I was like, oh, man, I remember that part. That's why that happened, because it means this or that's why this character does this certain action, because it means that. And it's just beautiful how it all just comes together and how every piece manages to fit perfectly in the story. And honestly, I don't think there was a movie all year that did it as effectively. And comparatively, I'm in the spoiler section, I'll make some comparisons to a movie that had this similar message, but I just don't think did it as well. And I think a lot of people out there have probably seen Jordan Peele's Us, 
Uh, there are a lot of common elements with that movie and this movie, but I do think this movie is more fully realized and it brings those pieces together better. Us kind of had some ideas that were a bit all over the place, but the general message is there. But this one is like, th this is what us, if us was perfect, it would be this. Like this is the, the this one to me is like, uh, it's that message, but it's done in such a clear, concise and visually impressive way. I couldn't help but be impressed. So those would be some of my initial impressions about the film. Well, that was definitely a lot right there, Justin. Um, yeah, we're going to have we're going to have a fun discussion about that. Uh, Heather, what about you? What are your spoiler free thoughts on Parasite? Uh, my I mean. Honestly, it was one of those, obviously, and we'll go into it later, but um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, I just remember that it looked like an interesting idea for a story when I saw the previews for it. And it was definitely interesting. It was definitely a movie that um, it kept my attention the whole time. And it definitely tells a complete story. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, um, I think it's very well acted. I think that it um it has some really beautiful elements to it. I think it's very beautifully shot. Um, I think it is entertaining for people who like all different um different things that they like to have in their movies. So I think that is um something that they would enjoy about this. And uh yeah, I just think the just the um the dynamic with the family in general and just how how they communicate with each other and just the understanding they have of of each other, I think is a really cool thing that stood out in this movie to me. Um, just when they're, you know, having discussions about certain things that they're, they're wanting to try and plan to do and things like that. You just, they, they're just very accepting and just understanding of like, yep, this is our situation and this is how we're going to respond to it. And everybody was just always on the same page, which was a little surprising with some stuff, but it was also cool and, interesting to see it because it uh them kind of being on the same page with with their their mindset on things is what kind of drives a lot of how this movie works so um it was definitely interesting it was very well acted and i did like the dynamic because you do feel like it's a real family that is just you know spending time together and communicating with each other uh it felt real it felt like a real family and i did appreciate that aspect especially because of just in general, what this movie is like that dynamic has to be pretty strong to be able to pull off a lot of what they do in this. Um, I think that it, yeah, it's, it's a pleasant surprise. Honestly, it's just very, um, it's gripping. It's very gripping and compelling. And every scene you're just kind of like, I have no idea what to expect, but it's all very um, captivating the whole time. Uh, for me, this is a very intriguing movie to a degree uh I, I i do agree with heather that it does kind of leave you on the edge of your seat wanting to know what's happening what's going to happen next it does grip you but i just don't know if the payoff in the end is worth it so i ended up feeling kind of hollow in this movie uh the acting is is pretty good there were some characters that felt a little weak to me um and part of it is I don't under I don't know if that was maybe me not understanding enough about uh, the people of South Korea or something like that. You know, I didn't know if maybe that was why certain characters maybe didn't uh, hit home with me. 
So I will try to give it the benefit of the doubt as far as some of that stuff goes. Um, I will say this. I, I do agree with Justin. It it does benefit highly from just not knowing what to expect. And I went into this movie, and I don't know about you guys, but I went into this movie pretty fucking blind. I I just heard it was good. I didn't. I I hadn't seen a trailer. Yeah. I hadn't seen Same. anything but a poster and just heard everybody saying it was good and that it's a must see and all this other stuff. So yeah, I was about as blind as you could be, which is a crazy fucking way to watch a movie nowadays. I, I don't remember the last time I ever did that with a movie that wasn't just something that I randomly bought because it was cheap and looked interesting on iTunes. Cause I do have a weird habit of doing that, but outside of that, and those are typically your lower budget movies which it's, I, I don't think that this movie had a crazy high budget, but I'm talking about like your weird, like B-list horror films. I sometimes do that with on iTunes. Uh, there was a movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago called Prodigy on iTunes. Well, it, it came out in theater. It, it did its thing. It was a very small release, but I saw it on iTunes and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And I bought it and watched it. Didn't watch a trailer, didn't watch anything. And I was like, oh, you know. And that was kind of fun. I, I did that with another movie recently, and I feel kind of bad because I just don't remember the movie's name. Um, but that can be a fun way to watch a movie. And I feel like that's something that we kind of take for granted nowadays. Like how how fun that aspect of it could be. And that's coming from somebody that doesn't really even care about spoilers. Like, spoilers don't bother me. You can try to spoil shit for me. I'm probably not going to care. If it's something I want to see, I'm going to still want to see it. That's just kind of my mentality with things. But it was kind of refreshing going into a movie, more or less just blind as fuck. And and I will go into it in detail later. I just don't know if this movie rewarded me for that or not completely. I feel like while it does, like, like Justin said, change tones and things like that, I don't know if it completely sold the tone change without saying what the tone change is. I don't think it sold it quite as well, at least for me, as other people are saying it is. And Justin compared this movie to Us, and I kind of agree with him, but I don't think it's a better version of it. But at the same time, I don't think it's a worse version of it. I kind of just think it's a very same version of it, if you will. See, this is very hard for me, because I just want to keep saying the specifics of it. I'm having a very hard time really trying to convey uh, what I feel because I'm so used to just saying what, you know, the specifics of it all. Uh, but actually, I'm going to say that. I'm going to save my next statement. Um, anything else in this section before we go on? I will say I do agree about the, um, don't know if it rewarded me as much as I would like to because I did think that it was interesting and gripping the whole time. But by the end of it, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that was a movie. <laughs> and that's just me personally. But like, um, it, it it just kind of, I guess it, it just sort of, I don't know if I'd say fell flat or just lost momentum, maybe is more the word uh, towards the, the ending of it for me. But um, so I would maybe agree about the statement that it doesn't necessarily reward the entire gripping throughout the whole movie but um i mean it was a fun ride for sure to have those those elements throughout the whole thing but in the end of it it just it wasn't one where i was just like this is completely satisfying in every way i didn't leave the movie like that so um that's what i'll say about that i want to make a very specific uh analogy for this movie to me Actually, no, I want to say that for my recommendation. What the fuck am I doing? 
This is gold. This is absolute gold. I'm saving it for my recommendation. Uh, Justin, do you have any other thoughts real quick before we move on? No, I was just going to say to expound on the, uh, the, the, what you guys said about the endings. Um, for me, I guess I'm just going to be on the opposite side of that. Uh, for me, the, the ending was, and the revelations and the lesson that is kind of taught and what it kind of says about the whole premise to me, that's the reward. Like what I think that what happens to the characters is a direct mirror into what the film is actually trying to say. And I think if you get that, I think if you really catch that and you appreciate that message, you'll walk out with uh, just a grand appreciation for how all of the film contributed to that one message coming together at the end. So for me, I, I felt rewarded at the end. So I just kind of wanted to say that uh, I definitely get what you guys are coming from with your explanations. Not saying I uh, necessarily didn't understand where you're coming from. I get it. But uh, but for me, I don't know. I just had the opposite feeling and just kind of wanted to throw that out there as well. Oh, I got the ending. I just didn't like the end. Um, all right, Justin, we'll start with you then. We're going to give our recommendations and scores. And then after that, we'll do spoilers. So if, you know, at sure. once we get to that spoiler break, if you haven't seen the movie yet, stop and then watch it and come back and listen. Um, Justin, so what's your recommendation and score for this movie? Okay, so do I recommend it? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I think that this, t to me, this is a must-see movie for this year. I, I don't think that there's any doubt that it is, if not the best, it's one of the best. Like, it's it's got to be top three. I don't see, I can't think of three other movies better than it, honestly. Just as far, especially just as far as consistency, the parts of a film, the metaphors in the film, and how the film all comes together, I don't think there are three better movies this year than this film. Uh, I think it's a shoe-in for Best Foreign Language Film this year at the Oscars, and I hope it gets nominated for Best Picture, but I know how they are about foreign language films. Sometimes they get in there, sometimes they don't, but um, but, 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 I, but if it's there, I'm going to be rooting for it. Like That's how much faith I have in this film, and I think that this is a film that it invokes so many feelings about the haves and the have-nots, it invokes so many things about that conversation that it's worth to see for that alone. If you are a filmmaker or somebody who is an actor or somebody who is a screenwriter, you really need to see this because the cinematography and not just good cinematography, we talk about good cinematography all the time, but this is cinematography used to visually tell the story. All of it also contributes to this story. And I think that if you're a filmmaker or somebody like that, you've got to see how Bong went about doing this. I mean, this is somebody who just understands what he's doing. The, the dialogue of the characters, things that the characters say, little clues that they give to what they represent and how that comes to the film's resolution. You've got to see that because then you will understand like, 
why people are raving about the writing of this film. So I think that, and, and whether you agree with that or not, whether you think it's the best movie or not, it's still worth it to be seen just to see where you fall on that side of the spectrum. This is something everybody's talking about and you need to be a part of that conversation. And if you're out there listening, I'd love for you to watch it and talk to me about it because I've been talking about it for five days now. And I mean, I'm tell I'm learning something about this film the, every different person I talk to. So for that, I can highly recommend it. And like everybody said, it's edgy your seat. It's highly entertaining. It's funny. It, I laughed a lot at this movie. It, it, and it's got some great messages and it's well acted. So, I mean, what other box does a movie need to check? So for I recommend it for all those reasons. Um, and it's easily accessible. It's just as easy to access and take in as it is complex also. So it's both, man. It's just that it's just that great balance that you want in in what in in a in what makes a great movie, I think. So with that being said, I'm giving it the highest score I've given all year. I haven't gone over a 95. I'm giving this one a 97. I'm going to go with uh we're going to go with 97 Man, and now this is hard, too, because I can't, like, I'm trying not to name a specific event because I feel like it'll spoil something. Uh, you can name some. I think you could name something specific, just not a specific event, because then I think it could be intriguing. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Uh, then they'll be like, what is Justin talking about? Yes, but I do. I do agree. Not an event, but a specific thing I think would be okay, because I was literally thinking the same thing while you were talking about that. Like while you were talking about what you recommended and all this other stuff, I'm like, Ooh, how the fuck are we going to do these scores? Uh, I guess I'm just going to go with, uh, 97, uh, happy families out of 100. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> wow. All right. Heather, what about you? Oh man, that is, this really is tough when you can't like, uh, give spoilers and stuff. Um, I mean, I, I do recommend it just because it is a very different and original type of movie. Uh, my only thing with it, like there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with how the movie was done or anything like that. It's just it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea towards the end of it and everything like that. But um, I do think it is worth a watch. I think it's definitely worth seeing at least once. It's very it's original and um, it has some really cool elements to it that you don't really see in a lot of other movies. So I, um, I would recommend it. Sure. Yeah. I'll give it probably a, let's give it, um, 70, um, unexpected birthday parties that have more adults than children in it out of a hundred. I'm going to kind of half-heartedly recommend this movie. Like I said, I, it is a very gripping movie, but I just, like I said, I don't know if the payoff is worth it. So I guess watch it if you want to find out if it is worth it to you. And I mean, it's, I definitely do still kind of feel like it's, it's a movie that a lot of film critics and a lot of film people are going to use as a weird litmus test to figure out how people feel like, or, you know, to kind of suss out how they feel somebody's movie tastes are or something like that. But and I don't think it's that good of a movie to, or that good enough of a movie to do that with. I mean, Justin was saying it was in his top three. I mean, shit, dude, this motherfucking movie didn't even top get my top seven. I don't even know if I'd say it's number eight. But definitely it, not a worst, so. It's definitely not a worst. It's definitely not a worst. It's just definitely not a best for me. So I'm very conflicted on this. But I think, 
I mean, I guess I'll, I will kind of agree with Justin. Watch it just to find out where you lie with it. Fuck it. Why not? Uh, 67 weird fucking pointless rocks out of 100. That was a good one. All right. Now listen, people. Spoilers from this point this point on. This point on, spoilers. So, like I said, there will there was a time code in the description. So don't listen anymore. This is spoilers. Full on spoilers. I'll start this one off. I disagree, Justin, highly that the message of this film was worth it because the message of the film, at least allegorically, comes across as if people think you smell bad and are lower than them, you can abandoned your dying family member to murder them and what the fuck was that i mean to me the father the the linchpin of this movie is the father character with how it turns for his family and i just don't know if i felt like what he did or what the story did with it really fucking nailed it enough for me to completely feel or understand his quite graphic fucking turn at the end he goes from these people you know oh we're gonna use them to make money we're gonna cheat we're gonna do all this stuff to get their money you know to they think i smell bad therefore i should murder one of them and on top of that risk the life of not only his daughter who was just stabbed but also risk the life of a small child who while yes is in this upper echelon of people of the rich and stuff, but still is a, is still an innocent. It reminded me too much of the Joker with that, that your ills and your problems with society justify you murdering the people you feel like wronged you. And I just can't get behind that at all. Um, I also really didn't understand the shit with The Rock. That's one of the things I was talking about that I think culturally speaking, maybe that just didn't land with me because I don't understand that aspect of their culture but that just felt a little weird and dumb and weird and dumb i just oh and then i also feel like a family who like a mother that obviously cares this much about her children and their future and cultivating them and all this other stuff i truly do feel like they would have done more of a background check especially with the amount of money they had it just that that part did it's true you know, and like I said, and, and maybe I don't know that because I, I'm not uber rich or anything like that. So I've never done it. I mean, I just feel like especially with how protective she was about her kids, she had no sense of urgency or diligence to actually question or verify anything with these people. And that just seemed incredibly weird to me. And I don't know, the, the stuff with the, the teenage son and the underage daughter of the other, the rich family felt weird to me felt a little forced and weird to me. The entire idea that somebody was living under that house for years and years and years also felt weird to me. Like, I understand that's partially the point, but at the same time, I'm really wondering, like, he had no medical issues during that time? He wasn't living in the most sanitary of conditions. It would really surprise yeah. me that he had no medical, like, issues or illnesses or anything like that arise that would cause that would cause him not to have any problems or anything. I mean, especially when... You know, all of a sudden at the end of the movie, whenever he's going about all his stuff, he has the endurance of fucking Jason from the Friday the 13th movies at that point. <laughs> I mean, he's been beaten the True. fuck out of. He was slamming his head against a fucking wall. He's somehow got himself off a fucking pipe. Like, all this fucking shit. And somehow he's just, you know, Captain America with fucking super soldier serum. Just keep on trucking. And with that, that 
like so whenever the events started to turn with that guy's with the revelation that that guy's there and all this other stuff i just it it, it started to make me a little bit more detached the further it went like i said i was completely captivated trying to figure out what the fuck was going to happen next but then everything that happened next detached me a little bit and then it made me a little more detached and a little more detached all the way to the end where this guy is just apparently fucking doing morris code non-fucking-stop or like just whenever the fuck he feels like it at night and all this other stuff hoping his son's gonna see it and somehow his son walked up at the very beginning of this entire fucking letter that he was writing and didn't miss an entire paragraph or whatever before it he started at the very beginning of a sentence which i think is astronomical at best it just kind of kept going and going and going in that way and i just like i said i got more and more detached as it went on like the dad was like oh i can't believe these rich people think i smell bad or all this other stuff i was like dude you just spent the night before that like rummaging through sewer water because your house and everything was getting flooded how was that not an obvious thought that that would be an issue i understand that it was kind of hinted at because i don't remember who exactly but somebody talked about how uh i think it was the sun or something like that talked about how he had a very distinctive smell and i think they said he smelled like onions and yeah it was the sun because whenever they were all hiding under the fucking table and all that other stuff which was also super fucking weird but like actually that was the that was mr park it was the was husband it? that I said it the that sun. Time. and then and then earlier in the film yes. the son said that they had the same smell yes you but were he right. just recognized that they were uh, that they all had the same smell and he was a family but then later on it was uh mr park who was talking to his wife about um the smell that he had so yes yes yeah. you are right Clear you are up. right you are right yeah the son was essentially smelling their laundry detergent type of situation he was like oh yeah they all live together you know he's saying like that type of thing yes you are right um but then with that like right after all that other stuff and the son's like sleeping outside and all this other shit and like he's like taking down the notes of the morris code from the guy that's down in the basement and that has zero payoff on top of it and that was something i was actually hoping would get payoff and it got none and then somehow this movie just says oh hey this bonkers crazy ass situation of this guy living down in these people's house without them knowing for years and years we're gonna do the same thing with the dad again and that's just gonna be okay there was a rotting there'd be a rotting fucking corpse down there from that lady dying he buried the lady um at the end of the film it shows him he, he actually uh snuck out and buried the lady they do show that in the film at the end you're right because they do that he doesn't like the garden or something like right by the house right like in the edge of the backyard or something like that yeah yeah you're right it, we, we to be fair you rewatched this infinitely more recent than we did we're i'm going off like a month ago remembering this shit and i feel like i'm doing a damn good job so kudos to me but i don't know it's just like i said at, the, at that point also i'm not gonna lie i was really I was super detached at that point. Like, I wasn't so detached that I checked the fuck out. I didn't check out. But I will say this. I did stop caring by the very end of this film. And I think with a movie, especially like this, that was so good at hooking you in and keeping you captivated, the biggest sin it can commit at that point is making you not care. And this movie was very much like a roller coaster for me. And I'm really pissed off because I was going to say a roller coaster analogy. 
And I was like, no, I'm going to save it for my recommendation. And then I totally fucking forgot to do it in my recommendation. And I'm going to do it right now. This movie is very much like the Mr. Freeze roller coaster at Six Flags over Texas. I don't know what its correlation is to other Six Flags. But you start and you're like, you're going straight up and you're kind of like, yeah, this is going to be kind of great. And it's really building anticipation. You go like straight up and then it launches you backwards super fast. And it's like, fuck yeah, it's, it's apeshit insane. And then it ends. And then you feel like, where's the rest of the ride? Because that ride, I've timed it before, I think is 43 seconds long from beginning to end. And like, so when it's a roller coaster and all this other stuff, and it's that quick, it's like, a you know, like a flash in the pan. It's just like, bam, and it's over. You don't feel the same complete, like thrilledness of like riding a traditional roller coaster because it is so short. And I'm not, I'm not doing that to reference the time of this movie. I think it's actually paced very, very well. I'm saying that just to kind of show the overall feeling at the end of it's got all the hallmarks and beats to be a fantastic ride. But then when the ride was over, I didn't feel the same satisfaction as I should have based on what was there. Anything else before we move on to someone else? All right, Heather, what about you? What's your what's your spoiler side of this? Yeah, so there were there were a lot of elements I did enjoy about it, like um, like I said, the family dynamic and how when they're talking about the plan that they want to do to try and take over infiltrating this family of people and being part of their lives so that they can kind of be you know a little bit more well off. Um, I just it's entertaining that nobody's like no we can't do that that's crazy everyone's just really on board with it and I think it's really interesting because you always have that it's usually played out where it's like there's one person that has the idea and they have to like try to convince everyone it's okay or it's just one person doing it and then everyone slowly finds out about it but with this the whole family's in on it and I thought that was pretty entertaining and just how it was done and just how each person's role and how they were becoming a part of this family's life was interesting. I mean, you know, one of them's a driver, one of them's a tutor, one of them is um, the like the housekeeper, I guess you would say, like, they're just they have very different roles. And they really just coached themselves and each other so well to play these parts. And it was such an interesting thing to see because it's like, that was kind of what they did for family time. They were learning how to be these other people. And it was, it was entertaining to see that part of it. And it was smart how they did it. Like, I mean, that's kind of the, it just shows the determination they have, but also how bad their situation was where they were that desperate to do it to where they not that they didn't really have any qualms about it but just you feel like they got over it quickly if they did they were just like this is what needs to happen and it was it was cool to have that one friend there that the the son's friend who was kind of kind of planted the seed in there of like giving him the idea in a sense um like you know offhandedly giving him that idea so i just i thought that whole dynamic and that whole way that they did that with the whole family being a part of it was really interesting so i really enjoyed that aspect of it and how easy it was for them to really um get in the heads of the rich family the park family i guess is what their names were park right um so yeah that was i really did enjoy that and they did add like um justin i know that a a big thing you were talking about was how they just kind of shift the tone a lot and they um i mean it goes from kind of like a comedy funny maybe almost not really coming of age but just more of like a you know real life like drama almost uh kind of funny 
thing to horror suspense elements of it. And they did transition it, I feel, um, fairly well. Like you don't expect it, but that's part of what the gripping thing is with it because it slowly makes that turn that you don't see coming, but you don't feel like it can't like you don't feel like it completely came out of nowhere um at least i didn't i feel like while it was definitely different it just how they told the story and how it all played out was played out to where the transition worked for what it was um i think that uh the <laughs> the the fact that the husband the the housekeeper's husband was living there for so long you're right it was like did he ever get sick like was there i i enjoyed the fact that they brought him in with the uh with the son's story about the little boy and how he everyone or he had thought he had seen a ghost and um we find out later that that ghost was actually you know the husband living down in the basement or whatever that would try to come up and get food and things like that. Like the, we find out later that that's what that ghost was. And I thought that was a really cool element to add. But um, when they first told the story about the little boy and like saying he's very special and he had this thing happen, I really did like Sterling was saying, feel like they were going to do so much more with that story or with that little boy's story you know, like, why is he special? And with the Morse code thing, is it like, is he going to figure it out? Is he going to find these people? Like, what's going to happen with that? Which I think would have been a really cool thing to add in to the movie if the little boy had more of a part in either discovering something or figuring out something that someone else wasn't able to, but they didn't do anything with that. I feel like maybe they cut out a scene where he was part of it i don't know but it just it was like they they kept going over and over about how this little boy was special and things like that and then it just it didn't add up to anything so that was a little bit of a bummer for me um i also agree about the um very sudden turn from the dad of the family uh the family that was infiltrating the other family (laughs) and uh i yeah just he went nuts so fast at the end there where it was like oh yeah they're talking about a smell again and that was like a trigger for him and whatever but like it just what they were trying to do with his whole that was his breaking point thing I just feel like they should have used a different moment or a different reasoning for his breaking point and I think it would have been a little bit more effective especially because he's sitting there with his daughter at that point right and she's like severely wounded about to die and he's sitting there with her holding her trying to keep her alive or anything and then suddenly he just is like no I'm so mad because the smell thing is bothering me too much that they keep saying I smell and then he just goes and like kills the dad of the family and you're just like Oh, okay. It just, they, that part should have been executed a lot better than it was. Um, and like, I feel like the, the part where the son actually, well, I thought the son was going to die. Um, I thought that that was a lot more, um, compelling. I guess I thought it was a lot more, um, I don't know if I'd say realistic, but it just, the, the way that it played out, I felt was a lot more suspenseful and worked a lot better than how they did it with the, the two dads that ended up fighting and the one getting killed. So um, I, I thought that w- I was for sure that the son was dead, like as, as rough as that was and how he got hit in the head with that rock and all these things. I just really thought he was dead. And um, I I'm surprised he wasn't. And I don't know if I would say, I feel like it would have been better if he had ended up being killed because then 
you know, who's left in this family other than the mother by herself and then the husband who's hiding out. Um, I think it, it might have been a little bit more dark to go that way, but it could have also been interesting uh, because the daughter also obviously dies. So, you know, just kind of seeing the repercussions of what's happened because of their choices. But the fact that he was alive and he's kind of the one telling the story at the end or um, trying to figure out where his dad is and all of these things at the end of it, that worked well, too. So um, I, I like how they did it. I just I could see a couple of other ways when they were how they could have done things that would have been equally as good or maybe even better. Um, but I mean, I, I get a lot of what they were trying to do with it and just a lot of stylistic choices they made with this movie that I appreciated. Um, and I totally get like Jas and I know you're a huge fan of it. I totally get why. Like I don't I don't blame anybody for being a big fan of the movie. It's just for me, like I do feel like the end it kind of teetered off and it didn't it, the payoff wasn't as great as the journey getting there for me. And I just especially with a story like this one, um, the ending is a little bit, you know, um up in the air maybe or just a little bit more um up to the audience to decide what's going on almost and for a story like this i just prefer personally to have a little bit more like i i want to know what actually happened (laughs) so and that's just personal preference but the movie itself is overall good but there are just some of those elements that they they should have tied in just a little bit better to make it a little bit more clean across the board and how they told some of the story but um overall i i do think it was well made and it was a very intriguing movie even at the end though i didn't care so much for how they did the ending i appreciated it and i think it was still gripping because you're like what are they going to do how's this going to end and then moments when you think it has ended and it didn't and then when it does you're like is that it do i save for more so and i think that's what you want from a movie like that so in that sense it did a good job just not my cup of tea with the ending and how they did it yeah, I'm glad you brought up the son getting hit by the rock because that motherfucker should have been dead. Right. Like in no universe did that kid live. Like, especially like I would accept it in like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from the 80s or 90s. I can't accept it, though, in a movie like this that was built to be a little bit more realistic and everything like that. It just ends up feeling weird and forced when he's going through this trial and then like going through a dream sequence about how he's going to get rich and buy that house and his dad's going to be able to come out and live and you know all this other shit it just ended up feeling very weird like they wanted you to fake out they wanted to fake out his death just so they could then show all that other stuff and it'd be even more of a surprise i just didn't feel like it earned that yeah uh what about you justin i know you're waiting for this moment get spoilery on us get it Okay. Uh, interesting points, guys. So just to start kind of at the beginning, uh, I think that um, the the first thing I want to do is just kind of commend some of these shots and just what this director w- was able to do with a lot of visual cues. Uh, one thing that I haven't heard yet is that um, the, the, there was definitely a point to showcase just how poor this family was this this movie is very much about rich versus poor the or at least the comparison of rich and poor the haves and the have nots and it's very much a commentary on that on the system that has set this up and is this a system that allows a person to be able to 
work out of it and become that way? And what are the, some of the disconnects between the haves and the have nots? And that's why I think that this draws a lot of comparisons to us. The, the first thing that Bong shows you in this film is that the camera pans down and that's on purpose. It pans down and it shows you that this family is living in this um, in the sub basement or whatever. Like so you you see that there this like this basement house. So like the ground like you can see people walking above ground above them. So there was obviously this point to paint this family as below. Then there's another shot where they're trying to get Wi-Fi and they're leeching off of Wi-Fi. So already they kind of established that this is a family that they're opportunists. They're trying to get any little advantage that they can because they're searching for Wi-Fi in the home. And then we see where the toilet is and the toilet actually sits above the floor of the house. That was the first thing that I saw that was just instantly an alarm to me. It, it was just like, damn, dude, the toilet is above them. Like that right there. And that's what I mean by visual storytelling. That kind of stuff kind of lets you know, like, okay, this is how poor these people are. They are at the bottom of the bottom. And you notice that the, uh, the, the, that the trek that, um, that uh, Mr. Kim's son, Ki Woo, the, the trek that he took to get to the Parks house, notice how he was always going up. There were all these stairs. It always kind of, the camera was always kind of doing these pan shots to kind of show like, that's like to show him almost like going up these steps, going up that, going up that poverty line right up into where the rich are. And uh, the husband, Mr. Park, he kept saying this phrase, cross the line, cross the line. There's very much a story here about that. And is it possible for these people to cross the line? Now, in the context of the film, Mr. Park is talking about people crossing the line with their behavior, or he's talking about, well, you know, uh, you know, I have these boundaries and I don't want anybody to cross the line. But the metaphor is about the line that exists between the rich and the poor. So these concepts are very pivotal to understand when you're watching this movie, because that was the first thing it did was establish this family as their opportunists, their poor. Uh, the fumigation scene at the beginning was also a good, uh, was your first clue about the father. The, the, the father or the cockroach, as I like to call him. Like, there's this part where the where they're fumigating at the the floor, um, on out on the floor on the street. But like I said, we established that they're living below the street, and they could have closed their windows. They could have closed their windows so that that fumigation steam and all that stuff wouldn't come in the house. Well, the father says, "Why don't we leave the windows open? We got a lot of bugs and stuff like that. Let's just leave the doors open so that we can get that free fumigation." So right away, Bong is showing you that they're trying to leech off and get internet. They're they're trying to get free fumigation. So this is clearly a family that is that, that is super poor and they're going to take advantage of whatever they can then it shows them they're they're folding pizza boxes and stuff and everybody else is coughing and stuff from the fumigation but the dad he seems comfortable he's not coughing 
he's just sitting there continues to fold these pizza boxes, which was kind of like a job that the family had. And even in that situation, when the pizza girl comes out, they're all trying, what are they doing? They're trying to manipulate her, take advantage of her, trying to see if they can get somebody else to work there. So I thought the director did a great job. You already saw what these families' tendencies are. You saw what they were, You he already gave you kind of an entryway into what is going to happen later because just like they were messing with that pizza girl and trying to get her to, you know, can I you know, well, I, we know that that guy quit last week. Why don't you let me come up there and fill out an application? That was like our opener into what was going to happen later. So, um, and, and the son, Ki Woo, I really feel like, because I, I, I kept bouncing back and forth with who is the protagonist of this. And, um, and, and you know, and at first I wanted, I, I was thinking maybe the father, but the more it's set on me at the end, I really think that it's the son who is kind of like the protagonist of this film because everything kind of starts and ends with his actions and his realizations. The father, even though he goes through a character arc, and I, which I think made sense, but the son really is the crux of this film and his motivations, because he's what because what happens? And long story short, he's got this friend. This friend says, Look, I'm a tutor for this for this rich family, but I gotta leave. I'm kind of crushing on uh the daughter. I don't want I don't trust anybody of these other people to move in on this daughter. So I want you to be the tutor. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have school or nothing. Well, why don't you just pretend to do it, man? Come on, man. You can get up in there. So they concoct this plan. And like we already said, and that's when the movie kind of goes, it feels more like a caper film. Like it was like really entertaining and really cool how this family infiltrates, this poor family infiltrates this rich family. But it starts with him, um, with him and him being able to impress Mrs. Park with uh, with their daughter. And it starts with the. Uh, um, with Kiwu being able to do that. And then just systematically, they're making suggestions about people that they know in their family and different things like that. And I mean, they make no bones about it. Mrs. Park is kind of, she's very gullible in this film. She's she's the kind of like the, the rich person. And they made it a point like throughout the movie, she doesn't cook, she doesn't have to cook because they got a maid to do that. Her son, she's she thinks she's a genius. And it wasn't the film saying she was a genius. That was the mother saying, oh, my son is a genius and this and that like that. But if you pay attention to those drawings and that artwork that the son was making, he actually was drawing the ghost or the man that was living under the house. The, you, you can clearly see in that one picture that he drew, there was like this picture of like a pyramid or a house structure. Then there's this dark place underneath and he kind of drew this, what looked like this monsterly looking man emerging from that. So that was our clue that he saw that that, that that's what the kid was about. The, the, kid, the kid to me, he saw the ghost or whatever and it traumatized him, right? So the whole Morse code thing was just him thinking, to me, that was just him thinking, Oh man, there's a ghost. I saw a ghost. I know that there's a ghost that lives under there. And that's just him 
thinking or maybe thinking he's communicating with the ghost and everything like that. And his mom uh, several times says, well, you know, he had this happening and she didn't like to talk about it. She wasn't comfortable talking about it. And she was like, oh, he thinks he saw this ghost and everything like that. So I just think it was kind of one of those things where the kid was traumatized by that situation. But we find out later that it was actually the 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 old maid's husband living under the house. But the first half of the movie plays like this caper film. And I thought that was great because not every every way that the that the family entered the house was the same. It wasn't like it was the same beat. Like first we got the son and he impressed with the daughter and everything like that with the tutoring. Then he goes, oh, your son is uh, is eccentric and weird and he paints these weird pictures. Well, I got this uh, art teacher and everything. And his sister, man, uh, Ki Jung, the way she comes in, and that actress just did a phenomenal job with this. Like the way she comes in, and she's so confident, and she's like, "I only, I want to speak with him alone. I'm gonna need you to to leave the room." And the way she sort of like ad libbed and bullshitted what they were seeing on that painting, like I just really enjoyed all of that. Like this family is super smart and super cunning, but it's almost like they'd almost have to be right based on the conditions that we saw, based on what the director showed us. You, th They would almost have to be to kind of have made it as far as they have. So I thought that all that was cool. And then the final infiltration to me was the best one where they, they've got, they know that this maid has been there and they made it a point to tell you that the maid was there even before the Parks family moved in. She was actually there when the original architect made the home. So she knew where everything was. The, the Parks had no idea that anybody was, they didn't even know there was an underground place in that house. The maid was the one that knew all of that. And she transitioned over. She actually, when the original architect left, she took over as the maid. So with this family and the, the and the father being so busy and the mom uh, constantly going back and forth, taking care of the kids, it didn't seem too out of it, it didn't seem too out of logic for me, for her to be able to go down there frequently to check on him. If he did get sick or anything like that, I imagine she could have just went, got him some medicine or even got even snuck him out of there. And I mean, she had access to the entire house and pretty much stayed there because we find out later that they didn't have a house or anything. Her husband was living under there because he had tried to run a business and it went into death. He was hiding from debt collectors. They had no home or house or anything. So they didn't even have a house. They were even less fortunate than Mr. Kim's family, which is important too. But anyway, after the caper part starts and, and this whole caper goes according to plan, they just perfectly integrate themselves into this, uh, into this rich family and they all have jobs and everything goes so perfect. So just when, and that's the first hour of the film, is their infiltration. And it goes so smooth that you just know something is bound to go wrong. But I think the genius of the movie is that you, is that when that doorbell rings and it's the maid, you just don't realize what you're walking into. And then when you see her open up the cellar and she's going down there, I just remember sitting there going, oh my gosh, what are we going to find down here? What is this going to be? And then come to find out that the, there's they're a husband and wife 
that are even less fortunate than the Kim family. They're less fortunate. They don't have a house. He's running from death collectors. He's under this uh, under this house and he's just living there. So, and I think the interesting thing is, is that they start kind of fighting with each other. Once the maid finds out that they're all family, they kind of goof on the eavesdropping and she finds out they're all family. The, the, the dynamics of these poor people fighting each other is very much like our capitalist system, right? Like, what is it really? It's all of these underprivileged people, right? It's all of these people who the have-nots competing to have that spot, right? That is the nature of a capitalist society. That's the nature of what's going on in Korea. That That's the commentary of this film. You have these people and, and and what would have been the most logical solution? Working together to get out of that plight, which is what happened in us, right? Ultimately, what was the solution in us? The Or at least in Jordan Peele's mind, what if the have-nots team up, hands across America, right? And they take over the top. They overcome the have-nots. That was kind of the premise and the ending of us. This film, I like it better because it doesn't give you a solution. What it says is, this is just what we have. This is what exists right now. There is no foreseeable solution. And there is this elaborate, and the way it is right now is that the poor are competing with each other to try to get these spots, to try to get some of that power, right? That's what was happening, right? They, the family had infiltrated only to find out that there were other people less privileged than them already doing the same thing. So they're parasites, right? That's the name of this film. But the rich, even though they were nice people for the most part and everything like that, there were little things about them that the that director Bong just kept giving you to showcase that they were that 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 they were parasites too. They are living off the labor that people come in. That they didn't see them really as equals or as people. They looked down on them. Oh, we can just replace them. Um, the 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 Mr. Park. Um, immediately assumed when he found those panties that, oh, the driver, this driver had been driving them, them for years. But what disgusted him? What did he say? This was the first time he used that line, crossed the line. He was like, man, um, he was uh, screwing his girlfriend in my car. But did he have to do it in my seat where I sit? I mean, he crossed the line. Like, it's just crazy how, like, in his mind, it wasn't even the fact that they were fucking in the car, but just the thought that they did it in his seat, because that's his seat. I'm Mr. Park. That's my seat. You know, so there were all these kinds of things that I think this director was doing to kind of show you that everyone is a parasite in this film in some way. The 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 rich feed off of the labor of the poor and and then and then in the sense it's the poor trying to in some kind of way feed off of and get some of that pie that they don't have and that's essentially what the movie is and to me one of the most crushing scenes man was after this whole thing comes to a head and the two families are squabbling with each other our main family the kim family gets the upper hand they throw them back underneath so those uh, two people are kind of restrained and then this whole thing happens with hiding under the table and that's when this whole smell thing starts to happen and the thing about the smell is that that was synonymous throughout the whole movie the first time it's synonymous is with the kid just like sterling said 
he smells everybody and he goes, oh man, that's a, um, the, the, this is a, everybody smells the same. Everybody, they, they all smell the same. Well, think about it. Why do they all smell the same? Because they come from the same place, because they live from the same place. Uh, go even deeper. They all smell the same because they're poor. They're, they're below that line. They have a smell. They, they have something that recognizes them. The smell is the metaphor for who they are, how the rich identify them, how they see them. They're just a smell, a smell that I don't like, a smell that I can't relate to, a smell that I'd rather not uh, partake in. You, you know, yes, there was the literal smell, but there's that metaphoric man about keeping those people down here, which is what the movie is really about. So like, so when that first smell thing happens, then you go back to the home and they're at home talking about, oh man, we all smell and maybe we need to use a different detergent. What does the daughter say? Oh man, um, well, uh, look, it doesn't matter what detergent we use. We can't get this smell out because we all live here. The only way to get that smell out is to move out of here, right? Cross that line. Get better economic standards so that you don't smell like the bottom of the toilet, right? So then, and then Mr. Kim is reminded of this again when they're hiding under the table. And, you know, Mr. Park is talking about it. Man, Mr. Kim, he has this smell, man, like an old radish or something. He just, you know, it just, it's not an old man smell. It smells like somebody who is in the subway, man. That's what he smells like, like an old subway smell. People who take the subway, that's what he smells like. That is so, like, demeaning and condescending. But, and, but, but of course, Mr. Kim takes it. They're hiding under a table. Uh, but this harkens back to what Mr. Kim is. That's who he is. He is destined to be there. He's comfortable there. He under, you know, he, we, we, we saw him comfortable whenever the fumigation gas came through. We, we, but that realization of his nature and the fact that he can't do anything about that status is why we have kind of the snap at the end of the film. But anyway, like, so the, the movie continues on. They escape that situation, right? But to me, the gut blow of the movie was what he did with that flood scene. That flood scene is one of the most beautifully shot, most excellent things that I've ever seen because it shows uh, three members of the family. The mom gets to stay because she's the maid. Uh, but the three members of the family have to trek back to the house in this rain. And it shows them going down these stairs, down these stairs through the subway tunnel because of course he referenced the Mr. Park he referenced the subway they smell like people who take the subway so I think it was poetic that they went through the subway tunnel then they go down more stairs and down more stairs and it's just nothing but them going down and down and down and down and it just got to the point to where I was like damn man where do they live in per do they live in hell like I mean they're just going down stair after stair after stair then you finally get to their home and it is just flooded I mean everything is ruined uh, one poignant scene I thought was with the daughter where the toilet is just overflowing and then just that realization that this is where you are and what this is the situation you're in. She eventually just sits on the toilet and she's sitting there having a cigarette and damn near looks 
like she's comfortable with it. Like this is just their life. This is just how awful their life is. So even though we saw the Kim family do all these horrible things, that was a great scene to kind of humanize them more and make us see, man, this is why, I mean, what would you do if you were in that situation? What what would you do if that was your situation? It just it just made me think all of those things just sitting there watching that. And then to add to the parks, what happens the next morning? Um, Mrs. Park is thanking God for the rain and saying, oh, thank heavens for the rain. And now we got sunshine and we don't have pollution. And Mr. Park is driving her. And the look on that actor's face as she's sitting here saying, thank you for the rain. When he had to trek through that water, down those stairs, all of that stuff, you could tell that it was just destroying him. The, the privilege that they have. The fact that they just have no concept of what the poor go through. That was just such an effective scene to me. And there was no dialogue. There wasn't a narrator that had to tell me that I could see it all in the actor's face. So this shit has been bubbling up, man. You know, he's got to sit here and watch this woman thank God for the rain while the rain nearly kept, destroyed him and destroyed his home. So then we get to the party scene. And 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 before we and before we get there, I do want to talk about his son because the rock and everything like that, I understood what the analogy of the rock was. Like when when his friend Ming first gave it to him, he said, Man, you know, uh, I got this from my uncle or something, you know, they're corporate successful people or whatever, and it's supposed to bring you good fortune and wealth. So that's what the rock represented. But The Rock kind of represented his ambition. That's what he wanted, right? He was the man with the plan. Anytime they needed a plan, who was the one concocting the plan? It was the son, not the father. You know, whenever they made up this plan to kind of infiltrate and it was the son telling the father what to say. I want you to tell her this and we're going to make her think that the maid had tuberculosis and then we're going to do this. The son was orchestrating that. He represents that poor person that has a plan, that has a dream, that's trying to get out of poverty. That's what he represented. And the stone, that's what he's holding on to. That was a representation of his dream. That's what he was holding on to. If I hold on to this, maybe I can get out of this situation. But unfortunately, this system that we have right now, it's not always, that's the American dream. That's what we preach. That's what we tell everybody. But we know that there is just hella more poor people. We know that people are suffering. We know that a lot of times that is not the plight of what actually happens to people. So I think it was very ironic that the very beacon that he looked at and held on to as this thing, like to accomplish this dream, was the very thing that almost ended his life. They, holding on to that dream, holding on to this, oh, if I have this plan, I'm going to make it. Nah, man, this is the heart. That was that, that whenever um, the, the husband under the basement hit him with that rock, that's reality, man. That's reality hitting you in the face and saying, nah, man, just because you have a plan doesn't mean it's going to work. His father alluded that to them after they had escaped the flood. They're talking. And what does the son do? What plan do you have, dad? How are we going to get out of this situation? His dad says to him, man, dude, the, the best plan is no plan. When you have a plan, 
things go wrong. When you don't have a plan, you can, you know, everything is better because then it doesn't matter what happens. And this wasn't saying the father was right because what happened to the father? The man with no plan, what wound up happening to him? He wound up in an even worse situation than he was. So yeah, he killed that guy, but where he wound up and where he was at the beginning of the movie, he wound up in a worse situation. And this thing he tried to steal, this house he tried to live off of and and, and be a parasite to wound up being his prison. And now he's stuck down there. Um, the and the and the whole thing at the um, at the birthday party was interesting. I thought too because whenever he comes out, um, the husband comes out and he goes to stab it and everything. I, I get some of what you guys are saying. Well, he's got his daughter right there. Why didn't he try to do more of that and everything like that? I, I get that, but I understand what the director was trying to say too. And I guess I just forgave that because I appreciated what was said there. After seeing all of this, after going through the flood, after having to hear about how he's got this distinct smell, and even there was even a scene where he had he tried to have a moment of levity with Mr. Park, right? He tried to talk to Mr. Park about his wife, and he was like, you love your wife, right? Like, she may not be perfect, but you love her, right? And what did, and what did uh, Mr. Park say to him? Uh, just eyes on the road, you know, uh, you stay in your lane. Don't cross the line. Then later on, they were supposed to play Native Americans because the kid was infatuated with Native Americans. Right. Which is another metaphor in the film, because what happened with the Native Americans? Right. The colonists came over, thought they were discovering America only to find out the Native Americans actually live here. What did, the, what did the Kim family do? They infiltrated this home. They thought that they had a lock on this home only to find out that there were these less fortunate people already there doing what they were doing. All this shit goes together, man. But anyway, like uh, at the end of the film, um, when, when all of that when all of that culminates, man, I thought that Mr. that Mr. Kim, uh, it was just a moment of passion and a moment of rage. and. Uh, and I mean, just the thought that this rich person, you know, his daughter is sitting there stabbed. His his wife is fighting for his life. Now, granted, Mr. Park did not know that they were family, but they were his workers. And one of them was sitting there hurt. Nobody in his family was harmed. And and instead and 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 here's Mr. Kim trying to tend to his family. And Mr. Park is like, yo, man. Throw me the keys, man. Give me the keys right now. What are you doing? Give me the keys so I can save my family. Give me the keys so I can worry about myself. Then he throws him the keys. He didn't snap immediately. He throws him the keys, but in the skirmish that the husband and uh, Mr. Kim's wife was having, the keys fall. And what does Mr. Park do? He grabs the keys, but is immediately like, oh, and the smell of that man, the smell of them. He just had to gag and react like, oh, oh, this that, you know, they're sitting there trying to kill each other. And instead of trying to help the woman or whatever, he's just like, oh, these people that smell them. So even in this situation where people are stabbed and bleeding and dying, all he is seeing is that these people are beneath me. 
these people, uh, this these people smell yuck. I just can't wait to get out of range of these people so I don't have to smell this. And that is what causes Mr. Kim to snap. So it was a fit of rage. He stabs him and immediately he comes back to and he's like, oh, shit. And he retreats to uh, the, the bottom of the house, which ultimately becomes his prison. And the last thing I'll say is that, yeah, maybe maybe the Morse code thing. OK, I get it with the sun have um, with the sun have come there and everything like that. But. You know, I rolled with it. I mean, it wasn't too out of the realm of possibility that the son would go back to that place where so much of his life changed and so much of that happened. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, now, the Morse code thing, and I'm going to type this message every day and hope that y'all can communicate with me out there. Okay, I, I get it. You know, maybe we are stretching the the um, the limitations of reality, but I thought it was cool and it served the purpose of the ending because they had set up Morse code earlier. So they at least had some continuity with where it was in the film. And then at the end of the film, when he has that dream and he says, you know what I'm going to do, dad, I'm going to do this the right way. I'm going to I'm going to come up with a plan and I'm going to save up and I'm going to get this money and I'm going to get you out of this situation. I'm going to save up and get you out of this situation. And it shows this whole dream sequence of the three remaining members of the family being reunited. And then what does the film do? Much like that rock, we come back to reality and he's in that base and he's in that basement house and just you can just tell that he's not going to be able to do that because this is not a system that allows poor people to win man and that's the and that's what bong was trying to say this isn't a system that allows these people to win whether you had a plan whether you didn't sometimes you can get over on the rich and sometimes you can't sometimes it causes you to quarrel with people that are also trying to scrounge for pie and sometimes they wind up doing horrible things to each other the, it, it, all of it is there and ultimately what happens the rich keep getting richer and the poor just keep getting poor and that's what's uh, what's crazy about the sun the rock was the beacon of hope at first and what does he do at the end he replaces that stone that almost killed him with another stone except this stone now is his father with this newfound determination to get out of his plight right to climb the steps to become a have instead of a have not but he's right back where he started man He's right back where he started. And ultimately, that is the vicious cycle of this system that we live. But you're wrong, Justin. The very at the, at the end of the movie, when all that chaos is happening at the party, Mr. Kim, he does have he is he does have a sense of urgency because his son just had another seizure. And they established earlier in the movie that if he doesn't get medical treatment quick enough, he will die too. So it wasn't that he was just looking out for his family and himself in general. He had an actual emergency with the life, his son's life on the line. I saw the son faint. I didn't you know, see the he, son have he, a seizure. He started having a seizure. Faint. He had a seizure just like they established earlier in the movie when he saw the ghost. Because when he saw the ghost when they talked about how he saw the ghost, when he, you know, quote unquote, saw the ghost, he had a seizure. When he saw that guy again, he had another seizure. 
Hmm. Well, what I thought he fainted, but maybe I just no. Saw yeah, that he wrong. was having a seizure again. That's why he the dad was in a an, uh, in a rush to get the keys. Not not all that other bullshit. He was actually trying to get the keys to take his son to the hospital. So he did legitimately have a reason to not give a fuck about the craziness going on around him. His son was dying. Okay, I'll have to look at that again because I could have swore the kid just fainted. But but well, yeah, I think but I'll also say way, that that's a kid that acting her. and not know how to do a seizure. But that's what it was established as and foreshadowed as. Okay, I'll definitely take a look at that again. But I think that what that that's what that was for. That's why Mr. Kim snapped was that reaction and that smell, and it just brought back everything that the film had set up leading up to that point and that's why he snapped so they made a point they made a point for mr park to react that way and scoff and kind of you know cover his nose like oh these people stink or whatever he still had to react and show his disdain for how those people smelled so i think that that was the clear metaphor there. So I thought it was effective because of what they had set up from the beginning, but I'll definitely uh, go back and watch that part. But, but I mean, and, and, and also with all that, like I, I got a lot of what you're saying and I got a lot of that metaphor and stuff in the movie, but some of that also kind of is, I don't want to say the way it is, but there is actually distinct reasoning in general, why some of that stuff is, even without there being that metaphor. Like you were talking about the toilet being above them and stuff like that. Technically, being in a basement, especially if it's not built to have a bathroom in it originally, you either have to have literally a mechanism under the toilet to break up material, if you will, or you have to have it elevated because of how it has to then attach to the plumbing to then get out of the the house and stuff. There's actually a... I don't want... I don't want to say engineering, but it's kind of physics. Why in 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 a sub basement like that, where their house is and stuff, why the toilet would have to be elevated? So that's actually why I didn't look at it the same way you did, because of plumbing wise, why it has to be that way. Actually, makes sense. And and to me, that wasn't a design choice that the movie made. That's actually just a real reason why all the toilets in those type of apartments or houses or anything like that at that level would be like that. And I don't think it's a systematic metaphor that when people were designing those houses that they're saying, ha, you're below a toilet. So that's why I didn't take that aspect of it. Just because, like I said, there's like a message behind it and stuff. Or not a message. There's a a reasoning why that is the way that those are actually built that way, if you will. Um, I mean, the thing is, though, is I got a lot. I understand a lot of what you're saying and all this other stuff. It's just the way it played out in the movie for me. You can have your metaphors, but if what you're using to show the metaphors doesn't work within itself, then your metaphor is going to fall flat. And I feel like that started to happen more and more towards the end for me. And like with some of those things, like what you were talking about, like with the the, the dad being upset that the guy fucked in his seat and all this other stuff. I actually kind of totally get that because like I know people that I like I've 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 lit people uh you know, back when I was single and I had my own apartment, stuff like that, I did give my friends my keys, you know, so some of them could take, you know, um, sexual friends over so they could have a little privacy while I was at work and stuff. And like, I understand it because I found out some people like fucked on my bed and I'm like, come the fuck on. Like, it's one of those things like you feel like you're getting taken advantage of in that point, especially 
when you do feel like, quote unquote, they're crossing the line, like he said, like, I do kind of understand some of those aspects of it. And it not being from a point of view of, you know, the haves and the have nots, because especially from the father's point of view and stuff like that, when it comes to some of those things, I do understand having a point of demarcation with people you work with. I'm not even saying the people that work for you. I'm saying that people you work with even like there's a time and a place to have certain conversations and stuff like that. And I honestly would probably have the same type of reaction if a coworker came up to me and was asking about my relationships and stuff like that, because I don't think that that's something appropriate to talk about in a working situation. And I'm not even talking about my boss. I'm talking about just somebody that works with me and is literally a lateral colleague. I would still take that as crossing the line and not being okay. So I can, I, that's why I guess I, I sided with the father in some of those instances. And I mean, the, the quote unquote rich father, I mean, I shouldn't say quote unquote, his character was rich, but like I, I sided with him in some of those circumstances because there should be a point of demarcation when it comes to employment and stuff like that. Like if not, then it's kind of, I don't know. I just, it, it it's inappropriate to me. Like I understand why some of the things that are considered taboo in a work situation are artificially created. I know one thing that a lot of people, if you're like a working person and stuff like this, you're always told, oh, you don't talk about how much you make with your coworkers because you don't want somebody to be upset with how much you make if you make more than them or you don't want to get upset with how much somebody else makes compared to you and all this other stuff. That's actually a taboo that's more or less made by by, by the rich people, if you will, because your employer doesn't want you talking about your pay and stuff like that because they don't want other employees that might deserve more money to know they're getting underpaid. So that is an artificial taboo that's created. And I understand that there are some of those things, like I said, that are considered taboo that actually probably shouldn't be. And it's kind of plays into what you're saying of that dichotomy and that that struggle and battle between the haves and have nots that, you know, that they, they created taboos to make it to where you won't, they won't be exposed. But I do, I do completely understand not having essentially personal conversations with people you work with. And I'm and I, I do think it's even more so with somebody that technically is your employee. I think there should be a more of a point of demarcation because if you're too personal with people that work under you, that, you know, sometimes you cannot effectively lead them when you need to because they might not understand where the working relationship and the personal relationship like end and where that demarcation is. So, I mean, I guess that's why some of those metaphors and some of those instances in the movie, I guess, fell on deaf ears with me because I more or less sided with the other side and thought it was completely justified. And so... Some of the animosity and stuff like that didn't make as much sense to me. Okay. And with context to the film, I guess the reason why it worked for me was because what it felt like to me was that the dad, and it's okay that you didn't feel that they were villains because really there is no villain in this. The villain is the system. That's the true villain of this film, which is why 
It's incredible. There really is no villain. The, the villain is the system that allows these behaviors, these perspectives, these things to happen. But like, as far as like what Mr. Park, it felt like to me, he was having his cake and eating it too. He brought up his wife, uh, 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 the conversation about his wife. He was complaining to Mr. Kim about his wife and everything like that. And then when Mr. Kim was like, okay, so, but okay, so, well, all those things happen, but you still love your life, right? Then he, then suddenly, uh, Mr. Park would be like, yeah, yeah, shut that shit down. You know, it, so it was kind of like, like he brought it up, but then, but when Mr. Kim would try to respond and kind of, you know, get some levity with this man, he was like, yeah, keep your eyes on the road, you know, uh, let's shut that shit down. Then it happened again later at the party when they were dressed up as the Native Americans. Uh, and that's another thing, too. Mr. You say that, but what happened in the film is that Mr. Mr. Park had his driver dressing up as a Native American so that they could all, you know, go here and surprise his, uh, surprise his son and everything like that with this cake and everything like that. So... That was what he had paid him to do. And he said, you know, I'll pay you guys a little overtime to participate in this party, you know. So he's trying to have his cake and eat it, too. He's got him dressed as his Native American and everything. And then again, it's kind of a similar thing. He brings up the fact that, man, my wife is really into this celebration stuff. And I know this is a little ridiculous and, uh, you, you know, uh, but, you know, she really seems into this. And I hope that my son likes this or whatever. Nothing he said was necessarily villainous per, per se. But then Mr. Kim is like, well, I mean, I, I, your, your, your wife seems to like surprises, right? I mean, she, uh, I guess this is just the, the way she is. But you could tell that Mr. Kim, he was tired. He was exhausted. I mean, just the other day, they were trudging through all that mud and wet and all that kind of stuff like that. And he's like, well, you're doing this because you love your your wife, right? You're doing this because you care and you're you're trying so hard because you're trying to you know, make your family happy. And he's trying to find a moment of levity with this man. He's trying to connect like, look, I had to just trudge through deluges and deluges of water and all of this other stuff trying to, you know, preserve my family. And I'm doing everything that I can to try to make sure my family survives. And he tries to have a moment of levity with, uh, with Mr. Park and, and Mr. Park tells not, and Mr. Park doesn't fully know the situation, but then Mr. Park tells him, look, man, you know, I, I really don't want to go any further than what I said to you. Like, remember, I, we paid you extra to do this, right? So let's just do this and uh, enjoy the party. I, and I feel like that was like the message of the movie. It wasn't that anybody was evil per se or that there was a villain. The, the, the real problem is that he just couldn't see him beyond anything but a worker. Just somebody who doesn't have any problems, just whatever. Look, I'm paying you extra so you dress up as a Native American and you do this shit. I can tell you my problems. I can spill some stuff that I'm thinking. But when it comes to you, eh, man, I don't really want to hear that shit, man. I just paid you to be here. That was the issue, to my, in my opinion. I get what you're saying, but I feel like what you're saying is completely different to the context that the director provided us. 
I mean, I understand that. But then also, I'm the type of person that I will tip a waiter more the less personal they are with me. Like, those waiters that are overtly friendly and stuff like that, and, you know, they're really personable and stuff like that, that actually drives me nuts. So I'm very much, I understand the the rich guy in that too. Like, I'm, I'm not going to tip you to tell me, you know, what's going on in your life, and I'm not going to tell you what's going on in mine, really. I just want you to kind of do your job, and I'm going to give you some money afterwards. I actually kind of get that. Still makes sense to me. But also, like I said, maybe this movie would have worked in a different year or something like that. But for me, when it's also, you've got the same year, where essentially the Joker movie does the same thing, and where the real villain in the movie, the Joker, which should be the Joker, but it's not, that's a whole other thing. But it's still, it's, it's the system. That's still the villain in that movie, you know, and he, you know, superimposes specific people into being the villain, which is exactly what the, the father of the, you know, lower class family did in Parasite. He superimposed his issues with the system and society onto the rich family. And then kills them all and stuff in the end. To me, it was just too similar to the Joker in that regard. But I understand it's more effective happened? in the Joker, but it's still the same type of shit. I I mean, but the Joker is so inferior to what happened to this, though. In the Joker, it's almost like he's revered as this hero and everything like that. In Parasite, the father winds up in a worse situation than what he started. He's winds up even further underground, can't talk to his family, can't, you know, barely can communicate through lights turning on and off. And he's just and he's a fugitive and he's living even further underneath the ground than they were at the beginning of the film. And his son is like, you know what, I'm going to do it the right way and I'm going to get you out of there when clearly he's just not going to be able to. And this was cool, too. I found out later that the at the end of the film. The there's a song that's being sung and it's about the 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 son character. And basically in the song, it says that it would have taken him 500 and something years to amass (laughs) the amount of money that it would have taken for him to buy that house. So basically his dad died. He, He wouldn't have seen he wouldn't have been alive to see his son buy that house and be liberated and anything like that. And that's why the movie is tragic because it's, there's truth in that, that you, you can, you can do, you can have all these plans. You can do all of these things. And yeah, you, these people are living bad and they're trying to give a, give a leg up and they're competing with other people that are poor and all this stuff happens. And then there's this, uh, then there's this frustration that you just can't be what the rich are. You can't cross that line. You can't, the frustration that you can never be what those people are. And it's just because you, this is what, this is the hand that you've been dealt. And ultimately it's tragic because the father winds up lower in worse conditions than he was. He can't see his family and he's underground. The Joker was being carried off by a happy mob and stabbing a, a psychiatrist and running around with blood. I just don't see those two things as equals at all. I didn't say they were equals. I said they were similar. They still tackled the same things in, generally speaking, the same way. I mean, the exact ending was different, yeah. But in general, they handled the same things the same way. 
you you know, you could say that there was more visual metaphors and stuff like that in Parasite, but the overall theme and the overall way they handled them was pretty much the same. And that's just too troublesome for me. But how did they handle them the same? How did the Joker do anything the same that Parasite did? Like in 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 the Joker, they both a man down with mental the, issues. They they come down to it like when it when it gets down to the end and the nitty gritty that they're saying that society will push you that far. I'm not saying that Parasite said it was okay like the Joker did, but they're both setting it up that that's just what happens and that it's so easy to get pushed that far. Oh, I thought, sorry, I thought there was more coming. Um, I mean, yes, I mean, I get the parallels with one is saying that society creates this, can create monsters. I, I guess I get that. That, that, that the analogy of one is saying that society can create its own monsters. And th- this movie is saying society creates a, a class system. I, I just think that one is just more, you know, I just think that uh, that really, even though, yes, the, the they are saying that society produces things. I mean, if you go, you got to go back to the bare bones of it and say, Yes, they're both saying society produces things. But man, the Joker is nowhere near this movie in execution, meaning, yeah, not, or just the, like the realism of what it is, you know? But, 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 and that's the thing, though, is I didn't say that. I'm just saying that, like, the themes with it fell too close to each other. It's like they were almost yeah, on the same on, road. They were on the same road, and then they just diverged at the end. Yeah, if you go, but you got to go so far back to get to that. I mean, that's like saying, okay, I get it. Yes, they both deal with society producing things. But that would be like saying, man, in this romantic comedy, you know, you could have two different romantic comedies. You could have Love Actually over here and freaking, what is that Adam Sandler movie? 51st Dates. And that would be like somebody saying, you know, now those are two completely different movies. One is executed way better than the other, but they're both about love, right? And somebody just going, well, they're both about just men and women falling in love. I, I, I don't, I just don't like to do that, man. Let's look at what was there, what was actually there. You know, you can't just peel it all the way back until it sounds like they're the same. I don't but, think they're the same at all. Like, I think that's the, the thing is they're, they're both, they're both blaming and and superimposing their problems onto somebody else. Was it somebody else or is it just the, so who is the somebody? Well, in the Joker, in it was, in, in Parasite, it was the family. In Paris, in, in Joker, it was his mother. In Joker, it was Thomas Wayne. In Joker, it was the people that bullied him. In Joker, it was all of that. In Parasite, they were they were there. They were born poor. Yeah, but I'm saying he superimposed his issues with that onto onto the family, onto onto the in rich Parasite, family. They, in Parasite, they started poor and they ended poor. Yeah, but the That's rich family the had nothing to in do with Joker, it. He was. And he's Joker, still, he was a nice person, and he became a, the Joker. I would argue, though, that he wasn't from the beginning. Like, that's the thing, is I'm, I'm saying that they both took their, fr- like, both of them took their frustrations out with the system that they were stuck in, out on people that didn't actually directly 
have to do with their circumstances. The Joker, yeah, he he had issues with his mom, but Thomas Wayne really didn't have anything to do with him being in the circumstance he was in. Robert De Niro's character didn't have anything specifically to do with the circumstances of his life. You, the 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 fucking people on the train, like they didn't directly have anything to do with the circumstances of his life, but he looked at them and and superimposed the issues of his life in society as they were the ones in his way. And I felt like this movie kind of did the same thing with he took his frustrations out of, you know, with his families and, and his life up until that point out on this rich family, even though the rich family had nothing to do with him being poor. But the family themselves didn't have anything to do with being poor either. That's just the hand they were dealt. That's. Well, then the, you can say the, the same thing the, about Joaquin Phoenix that he was just dealt the hand of mental illness, so it's all okay. It works what the is same okay? way. No, but 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 that's the problem though that I have with what you're saying. You're saying it's all okay. Parasite clearly said it is not. Yeah, and that's what I said. Is <laughs> they diverge not. at the it's, end? I said that they diverge at the end. One glorifies it, and the other one just kind of says it happens, but it's okay because you can hide in a basement. Like, as long as you can hide, you can get away with it. But I'm just saying. That's not what. That's what they said. He got away with it because he was in a basement. But I'm just saying, up until that point where they do diverge, one glorifies it and the other one doesn't. I did, did you know, it's still the same theme. It's still the same type of buildup. It's the, still the same type of everything. Like I said, he, he takes his frustrations out on that family and kills that family or kills the father of that family. And for all I know, kills that little boy because he had a fucking seizure and didn't make it to the hospital because his father just got stabbed was because he took his frustrations out of the system out on that guy that had nothing to do with his situation. He was actually doing more to get him out of this situation than anyone else. I just feel that was too similar to me. I saw too many parallels. Yeah, I saw things completely different. Like, you know, I think that there and then and then there are just other things that the film brings up too like the whole situation of well they're nice because they're rich or they're 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 nice and rich and then the wife going well no they're nice because they're rich like this whole argument of well are you are you nice because you can afford to be you know there there's just all that in there and it wasn't just the the kims or the parks either the 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 kims were also guilty of the same thing of not really seeing those lines of demarcation. And that was a, an example of it too. So I think Parasite is trying to say they can't, the, the problem is that there was a failure by both to see each other for who, for what's happening. You know, that there, there was a failure to acknowledge that both our humans were all in this and everything like that. I, I see you. When I see you, I look down at you. You're a worker. You're serving me, etc. And I'm a parasite for I benefit from your labor. I benefit from your work. And yes, the parks themselves as a family, when you look at it in that minuscule way, yes, the 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 park family was innocent in the sense that they didn't cause the family to be poor. But in the bigger, grander scheme of things, the there there are only poor people because other people who were rich took advantage of them. This is all a systemic. It's systemic. It's and it is what we have, and that's why the film is powerful. 
It's not anyone's fault. That's why the parks aren't made to be villains. That's why the the Kims are doing these quote unquote villainous things. But when you see the dire straits that they're in, it puts into perspective why they're doing these villainous things. Doesn't say it's okay. It just says this is what is and something about this needs to change. Something is wrong with the way that we see each other and the way society has set up this whole system. Something about this needs to change. And I think that's the power of the film. If you really peel it back to poor, rich and poor, we know it's systemic. We know what really happens. So I I think just confide, just ignoring that and just confiding it to the parks were innocent. The the Kims were bad. And this guy got away with murder and all this stuff. I just feel like that is grossly like missing the point of the film. But at the same time, I, I can say that it's it, it, that a lot of the stuff that maybe you saw, you can also then argue that maybe you were seeing things that weren't there. I mean, with, you know, some of the stuff, I mean, that's, that's kind of the problem is when some of the things aren't clearly defined, which is one thing this movie did suffer from with some of that. We, you know, you can see things and, and think of it one way and I can see things and it's the other way. And when it's not clearly defined in all instances, it does get wishy-washy with it. It does kind of make it a little bit more, you know, open to, to if you, I don't want to say misinterpretations, but just interpretations that can be just diametrically opposite because of that. I mean, I understand that we have systematic issues when it comes to income inequality and all this other stuff, but this movie, it almost feels like it's saying for, you know, for anybody to end up on the same page or for anything like that, it's like murder has to happen. And oddly enough, maybe I'm too op- optimistic to to think that that has to be what actually has to happen with it, or that it's it's or that it it it, it implies that if people are rich and stuff like that, they've got no capability to truly be empathetic, or that if they are empathetic, the only reason is is because they're rich. So you're saying if you're not rich, you don't have the capabilities to be empathetic or good. Like some of those things are inherent to actually having wealth. Definitely. But, and I think that was in there too. Like the Kims are just, what do they represent? They're, they're rich. They're rich. They're privileged, but they're also just oblivious to a lot of things because they have money. Like, like I think all of that kind of stuff was kind of in there. Like, their their privilege allows them to be oblivious to some of those things. Just like the 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 Kims, their poverty is what makes them think these things are okay to do. I'm trying to get out of this desperate situation, so I'm going to do this. The movie doesn't say any of that is right or wrong. The movie just is te- is just saying this is what it is, man. Like, this is what it is. And it's not every rich person. Of course, it's not every poor person. Every poor person is not doomed to fail. We've seen rags to riches story, but that is not the majority, man. And and ju- and I don't honestly believe, you know, that on the other side of that with the rich, yes, of course, rich people can have empathy. And yes, of course, rich people can have that and look and understand the plight of poor people and different things like that. But is it the majority at the end of the day, are they really going to give what they got up 
in this kind of system that we have set up that basically tells you you got to work to get yours you got to you got to get out there and you know that's the american dream you got to go out there you got to work hard and you got to get yours that's the lie you know because that is just not true for everybody some people are just born and they have it already because of years and years of other bad shit that was done we're only in this country because a bunch of native americans got fucked like the thing is is that uh you and, and that's why the film yeah but this movie was not about that well, well what i'm saying is is that that's why the film is good though because that's what it's saying we are not there really are no necessarily villains in this it, it, but but we are all in a way kind of victims of that system whether it's because you're a, you're a privileged person and you just fail to see what poor people really go through or whether you are a poor person and you just fail to see a way out of your situation so you're just kind of winging it, right? I'm going to come up with a plan. I'm going to try to get out of poverty and see what happens. I'm going to try to go to school and see what happens. Um, in the son situation, I'm going to try to save up the money and buy this house and we'll see what happens. Or the the the, the underground, underground dwelling husband. I tried to start a business. It didn't work out. I fucked up. Now I'm here under a cellar. Or the father. Well, I've got my family. I'm just going to do whatever I have to do to try to um, fend for them. But what happened? The man with no plan. Where did he wind up? At the bottom of the cellar. Can't get out. Like, I, I just think that's what this film was. Uh, that's all it was trying to say, man, is that no everyone in a sense is a, is a, in a way is a victim because we have to be able to look past it and really meet somewhere in the middle. And we can't in this system that we have, not the majority of us. And I do think there is some truth to that, or at least that is the director's truth. But that's what's fun about this. And, that, and that's why I think it's an amazing movie, because even though we disagree, this movie allows for this kind of conversation. And that's why it's powerful, man. What, what other film invokes? That, and this is some real shit we're talking about. You know, th th that's what I'm saying, man. Like, that's why the film is powerful, man. And that's why people need to see it, because it invokes this kind of shit. And this is what's great. Whether we come to an agreement or not, we're having that conversation because of this film, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, I'm tired of people needing an excuse to have these conversations. Saying that this movie is powerful because it allows us to have this conversation. Motherfucker, we were allowed to have this conversation regardless. This movie didn't actually add anything to the conversation. This movie doesn't actually point out anything new in the conversation. The conversation is still the fucking same before this movie, after this movie, during this movie. Everything is still the fucking same. This movie didn't bring anything new to the table with it. It's still the same well, situations that we're living in. So the fact that this movie feels... There, this movie needs to be seen because it allows for this conversation or that it makes this conversation happen. It's that's that's a lie. This conversation was always allowed to happen. To me, that's the more systemic problem with everything is that we need something to happen or to show us that we need to have the conversation instead of actually actively going out and searching for the conversation within itself, saying that we need like a mass shooting to then talk about gun culture. You can talk about gun culture without a mass shooting, you know, to talk about in income inequality, we don't have to have a movie point that out to us. It's already existing in our 
you know, everyday lives. You know, we don't need a documentary or a sad story about how the healthcare system in America is just almost irreparably damaged and destructive to people more than it is helpful. But yet we wait for that documentary to actually have the conversation. That's why I I think, and maybe that's why this movie didn't hit home with me is because movies like this, and I think maybe it's the same issue I have with the movie Precious. Oh, God. Is that movies that are intent, like where it feels like the intention is to start a conversation, fall flat on me because I feel like there's always time for a conversation. And then when movies or events happen that make us have the conversation, that feels disingenuous. I do get that. Um, I, I get what you mean with that. But I do think it's interesting because I think that film has like a great opportunity to be able to start that conversation for, for people who it, who it isn't easy for because you are somebody who is yeah, just kind of yeah. like you're, you're someone who can you can have those conversations just because you you know how to talk about them you're comfortable doing that you you don't care about like any kind of like you know you, you don't really ever feel like oh i'm going to step on someone's toes by talking about this because this is an actual issue but there are people that they don't feel like they have that opportunity or they're not as good at doing it if they don't have like a like a segue or like a specific topic to bring it up um, I have known people like that, especially if you're like a more introverted person or something like that. Um, or if you feel like you want to say your you want to voice your opinion, you just don't know how to how to really get there. Sometimes like having a movie topic or a specific scenario from a movie or a story helps them to do that. So I do see why it is important to do that in film and to have those conversations and because it has such a big platform to be able to do that for people. But, um, but I mean, again, it is also like a preference thing because for you, like you said, you don't really need that to have the conversation. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people who do feel like they need to have that or they feel like that's their the reason that they're giving for having the conversation, if that makes sense. Well, and I'm I'm glad you spoke because I was actually about to check and see if you were still alive. I'm alive. <laughs> yes, it was. It was, was very interesting. Point, it was great. <laughs> but but the, <laughs> that was a great point, though, Heather. I think. But my problem is with that, though, is unfortunately, at least in America, the people that would benefit from maybe being exposed to this to open their eyes to the need of a conversation or anything like that aren't the fucking people that are gonna watch this movie. A, it's foreign. B, it's got subtitles. And C, it's not playing anywhere that's got a population that's small. You know, Jason was talking about how he had to, you know, really kind of hunt and peck to be able to fucking watch this movie in a fucking theater. I mean, yeah. so unfortunately, as much as this movie might be what needs to happen to fucking break down the walls and to cause all this other shit, guess what? The people that are going to need that aren't going to fucking see it. So it's still limiting its audience in a way that it makes it non-beneficial. The people that are going to seek out this movie and watch this movie and all this other stuff or enjoy this movie are the people that already know this conversation needs to happen and all this other stuff. So it still kind of falls flat within that message. But I'm not going to lie, we're kind of circling a drain here. (laughs) We're just going to keep going back and forth on this. Okay, well, and the last thing I'll say, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I mean, I definitely get where you're coming from, but that's why... This is one of those movies that I'm rooting for. I hope that it gets 
that Oscar attention. I hope that it continues to get that awards attention and stuff like that. And honestly, it's already kind of blowing up over here in the States. And I'm sure that some other theaters will, it'll come out in other theaters and stuff like that, but it's more word of mouth spreads. And, you know, with social media and stuff like that, it's not, you know, I think that uh, it can still kind of get in front of people in different ways through word of mouth and stuff like that. And I think it's amazing the reception that it's already got in the States, despite all the things that you named. It's a Korean film. It's got subtitles. It's uh, it's a culture completely different to here. But man, it resonated with me because there are just so many parallels to the same things we go through over here. It, it, it can be any society. You know, it, I mean, these are that, that's just some real shit. So I think so. That's why I root for it, man. And I hope that it continues to have that influence. But you're right. Is this movie going to fix every problem? No. Should we already be having those conversations? Yes. But that's what that's the power of movies. Movies can entertain. Yes. And at the and at the bare bones, a movie wants to entertain. But movies can inspire. Movies can make you see things in a different light. Sometimes movies can influence people to do things. So the hope is, is that, you know, that this has success and maybe we will get more movies like this, whether you thought this one was the best one this year or not, or whatever, or you think it's a masterpiece or you think it's total trash, but the, we need more movies like this. We need to see what other cultures are going to. We, we need to know that we have some similarities. Like that's the, that's the good things about it. And so, you know, that's why I root for it. But I totally get uh, where you're coming from. And I didn't understand that about you. I didn't understand kind of why uh, you felt the way you felt. But thanks to this movie, now I do. Now I have a better understanding of how you feel about movies and these issues and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, so I, I don't see it as anything but good things you know big or small the impact and i get what you're saying about like the word of mouth and all this other stuff but Justin, i don't think you're gonna get some fucking redneck to watch a movie with subtitles like that's the problem is that even no matter word of mouth academy awards positive buzz those these that's all from the audience that was gonna watch there that would be willing to watch it anyway like that's the problem oh, i it, get that i totally get that yeah you know, like, yeah, positive word of mouth. It's all for people that would watch a subtitled movie anyway. Like, I, have you, I mean, I don't know, maybe you're, you've experienced it a little different, but I mean, I haven't heard anybody go, man, I would never watch a subtitled movie, but you know what? I heard so much good shit about Parasite. I just felt like reading during a movie and I actually liked it this time. I mean, that's no one's saying that, <laughs> but yes, we've, we've held, we've held, you know, the listeners and the, uh, you know, our, our, our co-partner here, Heather hostage long enough <laughs> on this. That it was, was fun, interesting though. conversation. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. I enjoyed that. That's exactly what I wanted from this. And that's what I got. And that's what I'm getting from everybody. Like anybody I talked to this movie about it, just, this just happens. Like it's, it's amazing. Well, I feel like you're like super passionate about this movie more than I expected you to be for some reason. Well, <laughs> the most passionate I've heard you about one in a while, yeah. actually. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe that's yeah. why you got sick the first time you tried watching this, Justin, is it was just too much passion. Your body couldn't handle all the passion. Passion was good to you. 
I could have, man. I just, oh, it just, oh, I just couldn't take it. I will say this after this whole conversation, I am going to adjust my score. I'm docking it two points at 65 now. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck you. I knew you were going to do that. I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> and I 100% mean it. It is a 65 movie from this point on. But on that note, thank you guys for listening to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Let us know if you kind of like this new formula. I now kind of regret doing it for this movie because <laughs> this went completely off the rails in a way. I mean, it was still very much on topic, but way off the rails. I promise they won't all be like this with this new format. We are going to keep trying it. I'm not saying we're going to stick with this forever, but we're going to try it out a couple of times to see if we can make it kind of uh, a little bit more all-inclusive whenever we do our movie reviews and stuff like that. So we are going to you know, try this at least a few more times to see kind of how we feel with it. So bear with us. Like I said, we kept you guys hostage. I'm sorry. Um, maybe, you know, I'll quote Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It was a forced friendship. Um, <laughs> so... You know, on that note, check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers Podcast. On Instagram and Twitter, we're Cinema underscore Slayers. Um, we do actually now have an affiliate like a lot of podcasts do. So now, guys, if you want to do a podcast and say you're not all in the same area, kind of like Cinema Slayers, and you're like, man, what is the best way to record? Might I suggest Ringer, which is spelled I or R-I-N-G-R, no E, G-R. And you could go there and use promo code CINEMASLAYERS to get a discount on your subscription, however you do it, however you, however you want to pay for a subscription. Um, it's really great. It allows you to locally record individually and then get these individual tracks for editing and stuff like that. We've pretty much relied on that completely uh, to do our podcast. And it's pretty much allowed Cinema Slayers to even exist. So we really do appreciate, you know, Ringer existing. So check that out. Or if you don't want to like go there and just type in Cinema Slayers, you can go to www.cinemaslayers.com. You can look up in the top right-hand corner, and there will be a little ringer link, and you click that, and bam, it'll take you right to the page to where whenever you know you do all your stuff, it counts. And they know that you got, uh, you know, they know to give you the discount, and, you know, they know to uh, to credit us for that. So um, like I said, if you're ever wanting to do a podcast and you're all not in the same place, like I said, suggest ringer. Um which is an affiliate with Cinema Slayers now. Um, other than that, guys, uh, just remember, you know, as Justin hopes this will be an Academy Award winner, we already know that Moon Knight is. Oh, crap, I forgot. Watch the hell out of this. Or don't.